0: Hello and welcome to Innovations, a podcast series brought to you by the experts at Sanford Health. You're listening to our 17th episode, The Fight Against CF, Breathing Life into Patients. I'm your host, Simon Floss, with Sanford Health News. The practice of medicine goes far beyond clinic walls. The Innovations podcast looks at the biggest issues facing healthcare today. Each episode offers the opportunity to see the ever-changing world of health and wellness through new eyes. Our leaders offer out-of-the-box solutions to some nagging questions. Today, we're grateful to be talking with Dr. Michael Welsh, a pulmonary physician who's a 2020 Sanford Lorraine Cross Award finalist. He's worked tirelessly to fight CF, or cystic fibrosis, for years, and has discovered a breakthrough in the process. Dr. Welsh, thank you for your time and sitting down with us today.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: First, uh, let's just introduce you to our listeners. What do you do? Where are you from? And where's home now? So I, uh, I'm
1: a pulmonary physician. I'm at Iowa City, the University of Iowa. Go Hawks, uh, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> go Hawks. <laughs> I, uh, I actually grew up in Iowa, did some, much of my training at Iowa, but also San Francisco and Houston, and uh, came back there. I've been, been on the faculty there for a long time, working on cystic fibrosis,
0: taking care of people with lung disease. Uh, perfect transition let 's talk about cystic fibrosis. Can you explain to those who just might not know how serious and severe this disease is
1: yeah so it's it 's a uh, very serious disease. Let me give you an example when I was a junior medical student um, the uh, I saw a person first person I saw with cystic fibrosis was in the pediatrics clinic, and you could see across the room that this little seven-year-old girl was having trouble breathing. Mm-hmm. You could see it by the way she was using her neck muscles, by the way her chest was moving, by the way she couldn't finish a long sentence. You could see it by the foul green sputum that she was coughing up. This, uh, She couldn't run around and play normally because she just didn't have the wind to, uh, to go. She had been in the hospital multiple times with IVs. She... Um, the, the sobering thing there was, and, as we talked about her after the clinic visit with uh, with my staff at that point, was it was just how sobering it was to learn that she wasn 't going to live to the mid teens mm. wow. because we didn't have good treatments we didn't have any real treatments to change the course of her disease, so cystic fibrosis is a, a disease that's um, uh, very uh, It changes people's lives. If you pick up any um, textbook and look at the chapter on cystic fibrosis in a medical textbook, the first sentence is almost always, cystic fibrosis is a lethal genetic disease. Today, it doesn't
0: have to be lethal anymore. Hmm. We're going to get into that in a little bit, but just for more context, I mean, off the top of your head, do you know how many people it affects?
1: I think the numbers in the U.S. are... Uh, 32, 35,000 people mm. uh, worldwide, around 70, I
0: believe. You've discovered the CFTR gene instructs the cells to make a channel for chloride, which is an incredible breakthrough. Can you explain what that means for those who don't know and why it's so critical for patients living with CF?
1: So the gene is sort of a set of instructions, and it makes something. When the gene was discovered, the immediate question was, what does it do? And there was lots of uh, opinions and controversy and arguments about what it might do, but nobody knew. And we were able to figure out that it makes a a channel. So a channel is like a little pore. And this little pore lets salt go through it. And table salt is sodium chloride. And this lets part of that go through, the chloride part. So it's a chloride channel, it's like a little pore, a little channel that this chloride salt can go through. And that's important because that can get out into the surface of the lung, the surface of the windpipe, the surface of the bronchi, and and coat them with this thin layer of liquid that's really important in protecting the lung from infections, inflammation, uh, destruction. It's sort of a defense. So we're all breathing in bacteria. You know every day we aspirate bacteria from our throats down into our lungs at night, so we need a really good defense system. and in cystic fibrosis, this little channel, uh, once you knew it was a channel, you could then figure out if it's not there, what happens, and how do you, how do you get this uh, lung infections
0: That discovery is that do, i mean do you have is that the biggest sense of pride that you've had through your career thus far?
1: I think uh, it, it, there were lots of things that I, I don't know if I would say that that's the biggest. That was really an important one. But but the other things that uh, we were able to figure out is then how does that work? Mm-hmm. So you could say it's like a little pore or channel, but it's not static. Sometimes it's open. Sometimes it's closed. So we figured out how does that work? The other thing I think that was uh, there were multiple things, but uh, another one is to figure out well, why is it broken? If you want to fix something you have to figure out what's broken, right? If your car doesn't start, is it the battery? Is it the gas tank? Is it the ignition system? Whatever. You can't fix it till you know what's broken. The same thing with this genetic disease. So we figured out that there's multiple ways to break this channel. Sometimes the channel never gets made. Sometimes this little pore never opens up. Sometimes it opens up, but it doesn't really let chloride flow through very well. And sometimes... It never gets to where it's supposed to be. So if you think about an assembly line, you got little widgets coming down the assembly line. If you get to a widget and it's sort of misshapen, misfolded, looks funny, pull it off the assembly line. The cell is a little bit the same. The common CF mutation going down the assembly line, being made, being folded, being buffed up, and uh, it looks funny to the cell. It looks misfolded. The cell pulls it off the assembly line, so you never have these channels where you need them. That was really, uh, that's important because it says, that's what you need to fix. The other thing there that I think that, that helped a lot is we showed you could fix it. Mm-hmm. So we showed it for this common mutation that, that gets pulled off the assembly line. And there, we uh, learned that we could fix this simply by lowering the temperature of the cells in the lab. Now, normal body temperature is 98, 99 degrees for you and for me. If we lowered the temperature down into the 80s or the 70s, the channel could make it past the quality control system. It folded a little better. Quality control system didn't recognize it as abnormal and it actually got to where it was supposed to be. And once it got to where it was supposed to be, it actually could work—not a hundred percent, but pretty darn well. Mm-hmm. Now was really exciting because it says, "Here's the problem. Here's here's what the what it, what the protein does. It's a channel. Here's how it works. Here's why it doesn't work when it's mutated in a person, and you can fix it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We can't fix it. We can't cool people down to 70 degrees. I mean, this is South Dakota, but." We <laughs> 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 but we, we yeah, it 's cold today <laughs> no it 's not it 's fine today so we can 't we can 't cool them down, mm-hmm. but it said instead of cooling them, you could make a medicine, and if you make a medicine, that will fix the problem so that was
0: that 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 ignited uh, drug discovery in the midst of all of this research. what was your fuel, what was your motivation what kept you going
1: i I think that um People with CF would be the biggest uh, motivation. Uh, mm-hmm. After taking care of them, uh, after having a friend who had a child with cystic fibrosis, um, that, that's a huge motivation. Um, also, I think that um, I, I like very much what I do. I don't, I don't really consider it work because uh, I get to chase them. I get to solve problems, puzzles. Mysteries, and um, that that's also a, a, a big motivation. Of course, I'm, you know we don't always win. I have lots of failures along the way, and um, but I also I think the motivation is I get to work with uh, trainees who people who are committing their lives to this. I love working with young people. Uh, I love working with them because they don't know what they can't do. Once you don't know what you can't do, you can do anything and uh, I'm incredibly fortunate to work with them. The other thing I think that was really important and a motivating factor of this is that my colleagues and my collaborators. And I like to surround myself with critical people, people who will uh, say, well, that's not the best way to do this, people who will argue with me. And, and that helps, helps us go forward in thinking, well, how, what is the best way And we choose the best way. Sometimes we're wrong and we fail. And then you back up and you say, well, that didn't work. We tried this. Let's try going around the problem a different way. Let's try going over it. Sometimes you just have to persist and try and bust through the problem. Uh, But but it's the combination of all those things, the motivations from patients, your trainees, your colleagues, uh, the people you know with CF.
0: Let's switch gears now and talk about the Lorraine Cross. What is it like to be a Sanford Lorraine Cross Award nominee, and what's this recognition mean to you? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's, it's,
1: it's humbling, you know, uh, because I, w- when I got the call that I was going to be a, a finalist for, for this award, uh, my first reaction was just so, um, I was just very excited and honored. But within a couple hours, I was talking to Kelsey again, and uh, about all the other people who have contributed. You know, all my trainees, all my colleagues. It's not one person. One one person can't do this. It takes a whole team of people. And so I was um, thinking about that, and that's why I talked and I talked to David Pierce uh, again too, and um, so. It's exciting to accept it, this award, be a finalist. But it, but it really, um, it's also, you, you do this because, it, 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 you do this on behalf of all the people who've worked with you. The other thing is, you, you do this on behalf of people with CF. Mm-hmm. We, um, we, uh, we often think about the people with CF because they've really inspired us. They've um, supported us. I'll tell you one story. This is about um, Kay Van Thornout. I'm not revealing anything. She's, her, by giving her name, she's been written up uh, several times. She was really important to us. Kay was, um, was uh, you know, she'd come to the lab and talk to, talk to the students uh, to help them keep their eye on the ball. This is why we're doing this, because of people like Kay. And Kay participated in a lot of studies. I remember one time sitting on a bench with her uh, outside uh, the room where we were going to do the study. It was one of our, it was our first gene therapy study. She was the second person that participated in that. And I asked Kay, why are you doing this? And she says, well, I know this isn't going to help me, but maybe it will help somebody else. Wow. I wanted to cry because it's the most noble of human spirits. That's what Kay had. Hmm. I have to tell you, uh, Kay died now, probably eight, ten years ago, maybe twelve. I'm, I don't remember exactly. Mm-hmm. Turns out, Kay had a daughter. Kay's daughter got CF. Kay's daughter is now benefited from the medicines wow. that Kay helped develop. We have a picture. We, we, we have a little display outside of our lab for Kay and some of the rudimentary equipment her father built so she could get missed, you know, treatments that weren't very effective, but they're all had. And we have a thing out there for Kay. We also have a picture of Kay's daughter holding a picture of her mother. Both of them are smiling. Mm. Was-
0: oh, That's incredible. Thank you for sharing that.
1: You're welcome. um, That's why I talk about the people who participate in these studies. And they are an inspiration
0: to me. Mm -hmm. Lastly here, and speaking of being an inspiration, how would you hope to inspire and motivate future science and medical researchers?
1: I tell people all the time I have the best job in the world. I get to work with young people, great colleagues, get to work on incredibly interesting problems. And in the end, the things that we work on can benefit human beings. I think that uh, it was really important for me was my family, so that, that's really important. They sustained me, they've um, supported me, they've sacrificed and that's been really important. Also, uh, it's—I d- I don't consider what I do work—and uh, because I'm chasing something I want to chase—and um, and so I'm just incre- feel incredibly lucky to do what I do.
0: Well, Dr. Welsh, thank you again so much for your time today. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time. Before we wrap up, I'd like to remind you that Sanford Health Innovations Podcast is now available on your favorite podcast apps like Apple and Spotify, as well as our website, Sanford Health News. If you enjoyed this conversation, follow us, give us a thumbs up, and share your comments. We love hearing from you and hope that you find these conversations insightful. Thanks for listening. I'm Simon Floss with Sanford Health News.